and then asking God to teach us as we study it together. Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to start in the 15th verse. This is the Apostle Paul, he's teaching uh, on the family, and specifically the husband and wife relationship, which um, has great, great application, relevance to us today. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, um, Really, on the surface, this, this, this appears to be quite complicated. I ask that you would teach us in these next few minutes, that you would give us great clarity. I ask, Lord, that we would see your heart. I ask that you would, you would lead us in this, and that our submission to you in your leadership might help us to understand your design and your plan for marriage and for the family and the great, great importance that you put on that. Give us clarity to your word. Give us clarity to your will. Give us clarity to your design. Give us clarity, Lord, in how we might best follow you in this area of our lives. I'm trusting you for that. And I thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, this passage of Scripture says that the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. I think that it's imperative, it's 
absolutely necessary that we understand exactly what that means. And I, I hope that you haven't got the meaning of that phrase from the world. Because I want to tell you something. They don't understand it. I'm not sure that they can. We must, it's imperative, that we understand what this passage of Scripture means. First, because it's God's instruction. It's God's instruction for us, and we must obey his instruction. Second, I believe that it's imperative, and my, this is my heart, and this has my, been my prayer all week. I believe that we must understand what this passage of Scripture means because I think that there are few things more broken today than manhood and headship in relation to the family. I think that we as men have kind of taken a step back. I think we've shirked our responsibility, the responsibility that God has given us in this area. I want you to remember, as we've discussed the last couple of weeks, that marriage is, is not as much about staying in love as it is about keeping a covenant, keeping promises, and keeping vows. And this passage of Scripture, we've got to get this context, this passage of Scripture is about the distinctive roles, the role of the wife and the role of the husband, the different, the distinctive roles a husband and a wife play in marriage. Or it's about the covenant promises it's about the vows, it's about the commitments a husband and a wife promise to keep in the course of their marriage. When you stand before me and, and we go through the vows of the marriage ceremony, you're making a promise, you're making a covenant to God, to your spouse, in the, as, as family and friends, as witnesses, that that this is what you're going to do. And those vows that we use in the wedding ceremonies that we do are reflected in this passage of Scripture. So marriage is, is as much or more so about covenant-keeping, vow-keeping, promise-keeping, as it is about the ooey-gooey, being-in-love, romantic stuff, which is all wonderful and necessary. But it's more about covenant keeping. What I'd like to do, and again, my mind keeps saying, simple, 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 clarity, 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 and I'm praying, I'm praying for that today. I want to set a little bit of a biblical foundation, and then we'll talk more about the applications of what this passage of Scripture means. We've talked about this. Marriage is a is, is, is a metaphor, it's an image, it's a, it's a picture, it's a model that stands for more than a husband and wife becoming one flesh. It stands for the relationship between Jesus and the church, and it's especially seen in verses 28 through 30. In those verses, it describes that, that kind of parallel between Jesus and the church being one body, Jesus and the church being one body, I want you to kind of imagine that and get an image of that because in the same time, it's paralleling that the husband and wife are one flesh. 
understanding that brings some, or, 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 or receiving that brings some understanding to what it's talking about when it talks about serving one another. Husbands, wives are your own flesh. That's a supernatural, spiritual thing that happens in the covenant marriage. Wives are your own flesh, just as the church is Jesus' own body. I love the passage of Scripture. I love in verse 29 when it uses the word cherishes and nourishes. It's talking about Jesus cherishing and nourishing the church, his body, and how the husbands are supposed to cherish and nourish his wife. And it's saying that when Jesus cherishes and nourishes the church, that he's cherishing and nourishing himself, and that when a husband cherishes and nourishes his wife, that he's cherishing and nourishing himself. In this passage, husbands, there's a parallel, a comparison to Jesus, a picture, if you will, and wives a comparison, a picture to the church. And the passage is making distinctions, distinctive roles, roles of the husband and roles of the wife, roles of the man and roles of the woman as they mutually serve one another. Verse 21 is the part where it says submit to one another, mutually serve one another. So it's important that you get this in the context because, because when we talk about the role of a husband, we, we understand that we're talking about the husband and wife because the two have become one flesh. We're talking about the impact We're talking about the responsibilities of the husband and how it impacts the whole. And the whole is the husband and wife. The whole is the family. And so, he uses the word head. I think that's one of the things that we struggle with. The head of the wife. The head of the wife. But it's really kind of a a biblical term. I looked back through some of the scripture, the term headship in the Bible. What it means is to lead. When we see the word head or headship, it means to lead. It's used in the Old Testament to describe Moses as he led God's people, to describe Joshua as he led them into the promised land. All of the judges in the book of Judges, they're given this title as as head. The prophets, the kings, David, Solomon, they were the head of the people. And and, and the, the, the meaning of it and what we should apply in this passage of Scripture is that it means to lead. In Ephesians 1, we're told that God made Jesus head over all things, that he was responsible, that he was the leader. The thing about leadership is that in leadership, there's always an initiative that's taken. And in our salvation, Jesus leads by taking initiative. You didn't plan your salvation. You didn't provide your salvation. Jesus planned it. It's him taking initiative. It's him leading. He planned it. He provided it. He died for it. Headship. Leadership involves taking initiative. Now, let me give you a definition of headship. 
It's the definition that we want to use in understanding this passage of Scripture. Here it is, and it'll be on the screen. Headship is the divine calling of a husband to take primary responsibility for Christ-like servant leadership, protection, and provision in the home. Primary responsibility is not sole responsibility. But it is leadership. It's being the lead. It's taking primary responsibility. And the servanthood is to be Christ-like servanthood, that Jesus is our model in that. It's to be a position and a responsibility of leadership and two expressions, get this, two expressions of leadership are protection and provision. And so our definition, the divine calling of a husband is to take primary responsibility for Christ-like servant leadership, protection and provision in the home. Servanthood, serving, doesn't nullify leadership. Serving defines leadership. To lead, you must serve. Leading is serving. That's true in the home. That's true in the church. That's true at work. That's true on the athletic field. Great leaders are people who serve and know how to serve. Therefore, leadership, when we talk about head, we're talking about leadership, and leadership is not a right to control or to abuse or to neglect. It's the responsibility to love like Jesus loves in leading and protecting and providing for our wives and families. I could ask you to take a moment and just reflect on your personal relationship with Jesus, your experience with Jesus, and how Jesus leads us, how he's involved in our lives, intricately involved in our lives, and, and, and how there's no abuse there. But he, he's described in Revelation as the Lion of Judah, and the next verse it says he's the Lamb. That in, in given situations he's strong, and in given situations he's merciful and compassionate. That he's the perfect marrying together of, of strength and gentleness. And that's how we're to lead. Now, men, look, I, when I study this, when I read this, I go, man, I can't, I can't do that. And, but that's the, the calling on my life. That's the, the definition of headship. It's to lead. It's the calling of a husband to take primary responsibility for Christ-like servant leadership in protecting and providing for his family. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time on submission today, but let me give you a working definition of submission. 
the divine calling, submission is the divine calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and, and help carry it through according to her gifts. Submission is not slavish, it's not coerced, it's not cowering. That's not the way that Jesus wants the church to submit to his leadership, to his protection, to his provision. Submission is to be free, and it's to be willing, and it's to be glad, and it's to be empowering. Submission is not always agreeing with everything. It's not leaving wives, it's not leaving your brain or or will at the altar when you get married. It's not putting the will of the husband above the will of God. Submission does not mean you get your, 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 your spiritual strength from your husband. That comes from your personal relationship with Jesus. It does not mean that you act out of fear. It's to be freeing, and it's to be empowering. When the Bible says that the husband is the head of the wife, it means that he has been given by God the responsibility of leading in his home. And that's why I say that leadership's not a right. It's not a privilege. It's a responsibility. Now, this idea in verse 29, he talks about the responsibility of the husband is to nourish and to cherish without going into uh, biblical precedence for these words, what those words mean is that he has a responsibility to provide and to protect. In provision and in protection, there's a couple of different applications. One would be physical provision and physical protection, and Another would be spiritual provision and spiritual protection. And I want us to look at those together this morning. Provision first. Spiritual provision. Men, this is our responsibility. Providing spiritually for your family begins with your personal relationship with Jesus. It is your first responsibility to nourish your personal relationship with God because you can only lead spiritually if you're growing and experiencing God's presence and God's involvement in your own life. And I want to say this, is, this, is, this will be or has been your experience that as you grow in your relationship with the Lord, you grow in your knowledge, you grow in your love, you, you grow in your experience of his involvement, it leads to a leading others in that experience. It's a natural outpouring of it. As you grow, you will be drawn to feed your wife and children spiritually. This is an area where, you, men, you got to involve your wife in this. That's why in our definition, it's so important that we understand that she supports you according to her gifts. Leading spiritually does not necessarily mean knowing the Bible better. It doesn't mean being smarter necessarily. This is an area where 
where the two are one flesh and the two are working together, but the man is taking the responsibility of it. One flesh, her gifts, leadership, working together. What does that look like? Men, this is our responsibility. You ought to have a spiritual time with your family every single day. You can call it anything you want. You can call it worship time. You can call it family time. You can call it prayer time, study time. Call it whatever you want. That's your responsibility that you do that in your home. We desperately need this in our homes. Men, it's your responsibility that your family worships together, that you go to church together. I know there's been a lot of talk and a lot of back and forth about should we make our children go to church? You can disagree with me on this if you want. I say absolutely. You make them go to school. You make them eat their vegetables. You don't say well, you know, I'm going to leave that to them to decide. That's kind of a personal thing, you know. I think we have a responsibility as men to be spiritual leaders in our home, and I think part of that is being sure that on a daily basis there's a spiritual time in the home. I believe that part of that is worshiping together and taking the responsibility of of, making, of having your family go to church together. Discuss spiritual things at home. Discuss the implication of experiences that your children have at school, that your wife has during her day, from a, a spiritual perspective. Men, we ought to be the ones setting the example in the home. We ought to be the model in the home. Our children and our wives ought to see Jesus in us. It's part of what I mean when we say that we ought to provide spiritually for our families. I wonder if we're doing that. We got a pretty good handle on physical provision, especially in this community. Husbands work, husbands provide for their families, their wives are are a part of that. The husband's the primary. The wife contributes according to her gifts. Ultimately, God's Word says it's the man's responsibility to make sure there's bread on the table. And I know that there are different circumstances that dictate for whatever reason might be that that might not be possible, but in a man's heart and in a man's mind, it is his responsibility to be sure that their family is taken care of and provided for physically. To nourish, to nourish, to provide. To cherish, to protect. Spiritual protection. Men, here's, here's what we have, th th this is what we have to do first in this area. We must take the initiative. This is our responsibility. The wife plays an important role in this but we have to take the initiative. The spiritual dangers that face the family today seem infinite to me. 
Husbands, you ought to pray for your family every day. You ought to fight for them in prayer. On your knees, begging God, lead them not into temptation, but deliver them from evil. It ought to be an important part of your prayer life. You ought to set standards for your wife and children. Again, the wife is involved in this. The husband's responsibility is primary, not sole. Take the initiative, Dad, and what will be allowed on the TV, what movies you'll watch, and what music the kids will be listening to, and and what they're watching and seeing online. I, I think you ought to even get involved in their dress and determining what's, what's appropriate. I don't think we should be passive in this area. I think we are. But I don't think that's God's calling for us. We're the leader. What about anger in your home? The Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger. I think that's the husband's responsibility. To address those things. I think anger can be an open door for our enemy. I think that we, ought to pre- that, we ought to, that we ought to teach, that we ought to model forgiveness and mercy and grace and repentance in our homes. They ought to see it there. They ought to experience it there. They ought, to, they ought to know, our children ought to know that there. And men, I think for, for, for way, way, way too long, and I'm talking about Christian men, I'm talking about men in the church, I think for way too long, we have said, now that's her responsibility. But that's not what the Scripture says. It's our responsibility. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on physical protection. I think in the DNA and the wiring of men, we're designed to protect our families, and we should not leave that to our wives. If you hear a noise downstairs during the middle of the night, you get up and go down and see what it is. I don't care if your wife has a black belt in karate. That's your job. You fight for your family. Big, little, strong, weak, night or day, you go up against the enemy first. Protect your family. That's your responsibility. Those are just a few things that I think are very practical applications of what we're called to do in this passage of Scripture. But I want to offer some encouragement and caution before we close. The caution really is for the wives. You can't demand that your husband take leadership. you got to be really, really careful about that. If you become the demander, well, then he's not the leader. I mean, that's kind of contradictory to what the Scripture is teaching us to do. Besides, you know that don't work, demanding that. Pray for him. Pray for your husband. Set aside a time when y'all aren't tired and the house isn't crazy where you can talk about this. Talk about God's blueprint. Talk about God's design. Talk about leadership. Talk about those two definitions and how they are worked out in your home and in your lives. The encouragement is for the husbands. This might be new to you. 
Maybe you never really heard it that way before. And if it's for you like it was for me, it can seem overwhelming. Man, this past week as I study this and I take an opportunity to just kind of evaluate how I'm doing in these areas, I don't get a good grade. And that's especially hard in my home because I'm the only one there for Will. And I'm not, I'm not taking initiative in these areas for him like I should be. Men, we, we have to do it. And I know it's overwhelming. But, but Jesus never calls you to do something that he doesn't empower you to do. you got to cling to him. you got to... Depend on him. Leadership is not easy. God says, fear not. I am with you. Don't be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. That's Isaiah 41. This is important. I think your family hangs in the balance. I think our church hangs in the balance. I think our church, I know our church, will only be as strong as our families are strong. Our church will only be as healthy as our families are healthy. God has given us instruction. Look, I know we could spend 10 weeks on this talking about all the different practical applications of spiritual protection, spiritual provision in your family. I think that we would accomplish a lot today if, if men, if men would say, I'll take the responsibility, the God-given responsibility of leading in my home. And the two most clear expressions of leading are providing and protecting. Here's the question. Why won't we do that? Why won't we do that? It requires surrendering and total dependence on God. And I think that's why we won't do that, because we're not willing to surrender to God. And so the question becomes, why won't we surrender to God? Why won't we give him total control? We're afraid. What are we afraid of? Are we afraid that, that if I surrender to God, my life won't be as, as fulfilling or as satisfying? Or if I surrender to God, maybe he's going to ask me to do something that I don't want to do? Or are you... Do you trust him? Do you believe he's smarter than you? Do you believe he wants his best for you? Why won't we surrender? Why won't we do it his way? And I know, I know you love your families. I know you do. God says, I love them too. Let me give you a blueprint. Let me give you a design or how you can flourish. Let me tell you my way of doing this. Men, this falls on us. I, I want you to know, today's a day. It's not too late. I don't care if your children are married and, and gone. 
I don't care if you've been married for 30 years or 40 years or 50 years. It's not too late. Today's a day. Today's a day to say, you know what? I want to start doing it God's way. I want to take the responsibility that God has given me. I want to be the leader in my home. I want to, be, I want to take the initiative. Today's the day. It'll make a stronger family. It'll make a stronger church. It'll make a healthier family. It'll make a healthier church. It'll make a more effective family. It'll make a more effective church. Because that's God's way. So we're going to sing a couple verses. And you're going to do with this whatever you want to do with it. You might want to come and pray just as a way of making a commitment. When you get married, you come down the aisle to make a commitment. Maybe it's just a way of coming. Maybe you'd do this. Maybe today you'd recommit to doing it. I just think it's so important. So important. So, Lord Jesus, as we um, just take a moment to kind of reflect on what you have shared with us, revealed to us, spoken to us today, it's like now it's time for us to make a decision, God's way or our way. I pray, Holy Spirit, who indwells every believer, that you would give us courage, that you would give us strength, that you would give us wisdom to follow you. Just as we follow you, Lord, just as you lead us, help the men of our church to be the leaders that you have called them to be. Same picture, same model. Same blueprint, just as we follow you, just as you lead us. Help us to be that kind of leader. I hope you'll say yes to God today. Arthur, why don't you lead us? This is the time to pray. This is the time to commit.